1208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Perfect day outside. Absolutely perfect. This is a Chamber of Commerce day. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Shortly after 1 o'clock, uh, President Trump is going to be holding, I, I don't know if it's really, it's a news conference, but it is a media availability. We will carry that. 2.08 this afternoon, we're going to be joined by Republican Senate candidate Leah Vukmir. The primary election is four weeks from today. Four weeks from today, we had um, her um, opponent in the GOP primary, Kevin Nicholson, on last week. Uh, State Senator Leah Vukmir will join us. Big news today is that uh, the NRA has endorsed her. She has an NRA endorsement. We'll talk about what that means, and we're also going to discuss her reaction to what's been going on in the last 24 hours involving President Trump. Matter of fact, we're going to be talking about that in about 15 minutes. So we, we will discuss and I guess my question is going to be, now that we've had 24 hours of hindsight, was the news conference involving President Trump and Vladimir Putin, was it as much of a, I want to use a different word, but I'm going to say train wreck. Was it as much of a train wreck? Actually, I was going to I have two other words that are popping in my mind, but I can't say those on the radio. Was it as much of a train wreck as most pundits seem to believe? My answer is yes, but we'll discuss that in a few minutes. But I want to start off with a story that appears in the local newspaper. And here, here is my first comment. I get why people in the media, electronic media, print media, I get why they hate people like President Trump talking about fake news. I, I understand that they don't like it. I understand that they take it personally. I understand they consider that to be a challenge to their journalistic integrity. Well, I have a piece of advice for those people. If you don't like being accused of peddling fake news, don't peddle fake news. And then the issue goes away. But that what's happened is because you have some people that are, whether they have their vendetta against certain politicians or they're just trying to make a splash to get some attention or they're taking shortcuts or they're not thinking things through or whatever, intentional or unintentional, you see examples of fake news all the time. Now, let me back into a story that is in today's Journal Sentinel that I think fits into that category. My guess is you, like me, have the occasion to meet people all the time. For example, it is not uncommon if I, and I, I love it. I've been doing this for 20 years here at WTMJ, 23 years in the market. Lots of people have listened to this show over the years. Thank you very much. I was on TV for a number of years. Okay, so people know who I am. Um, and it is not uncommon if I am out in public for somebody to recognize me or, or hear the voice and come up and, and talk to me. Jeff. Hi, I listen to the show, used to listen to the show all the time, etc. Et Shake my hand, and, and we have a brief conversation. We we have met um, at Summerfest. Now, we've got State Fair coming up in a couple weeks. I, I routinely, during the breaks, drive my producers who are back here at Radio City nuts, because I go out during the breaks, and, you know, I'm talking to people. I love to meet people at State Fair, and there'll be these calls, Jeff, you've got a live read, or Jeff, you've got to get back there, or the show's starting, or whatever. So I, I drive my producers nuts, but I love to go out and meet with people at State Fair. At Summerfest, week and a half ago, it, it would happen a lot. People would show up outside our mobile broadcast facility, and they'd wave, and if it was a break or something, I would go outside, and we would talk. I will give you example. There was a couple, um, I believe their names were Bill and Julie, and they'd been standing there. They, they Bill, the husband, says, ah, 
Sometimes I'm jealous of you because my wife, I get home every day and she, she's been listening to you regularly and she talks about all the stuff that you talked about on the program. And I say, well, thanks for listening. You know, we, we ha- where are you from? You know, what do you do? All right, we just have a brief conversation. Do you have kids, et cetera? And a lot of times they'll, they'll ask, can we take a picture? To which I say, sure. And my standard thing is, now I just don't want to see this photoshopped on Facebook or anything like that. But, you know, we, it, we, we do it. So I met in the case of Bill and Julie at Summerfest, and this happened a lot. I met them at Summerfest. All right. Then there are people that I meet with. You know, I've said this before. One of our sponsors is Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano's outfit. I, I, I use them. They are, they are my principal financial advisor. I have money at Annex Wealth Management. And once every, well, they, they do it as often as I want, but once every six months or so, I set up a time. They reach out to me. Matter of fact, the reason I'm using this as an example is they did it this morning. Hey, it's time for that six month checkup. Here are, you know, what, what is your available, availability look like on these various dates? And I, I get back to, I said, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm interested in coming in. So we set up a meeting. So in a couple of weeks at eight o'clock in the morning, I am going to meet with financial advisors of mine at Annex Wealth Management. We are going to have a meeting that is different. Having a meeting is different than um, meeting someone, right? I mean, I, I think it's it's pretty simple. So it brings me to the headline in today's Journal Sentinel, online and in the print edition. Scott Walker met with woman now charged in Russian plot during his presidential bid. Scott Walker met with woman now charged in Russian plot during his presidential bid. When we come back, we're going to look at what that story is and whether that headline and the implications are accurate or whether they are fake news. Stick around. It's 1215. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. Here's the fake news story of the day. Now, as we just talked about, there is a difference between meeting with someone and meeting someone. Hi, uh, the other night we were at a baseball game. I met Mrs. Grew. All right, I, and we had we we had a conversation, very nice, pleasant conversation. It wasn't like a, a meeting that was scheduled. It was just we met. We talked about you, principally Grew. You know, we discussed you. You know, but you were there, so it kind of worked out well. All right, so here is the deal. The headline says Scott Walker met with woman now charged in Russian plot. During his presidential bid. All right. Um, over the weekend, there was this woman from Siberia who was named in an indictment, charged and charged as part of being this alleged Russian plot to interfere in U.S. politics. The woman's name is Maria Butina. And according to the indictment, over a several year period, she was working with the Russian government and attempted to make inroads with American politicians to try to influence U.S. policies towards Russia. All right. And, and what she would apparently do is she's tried to, to, you know, start create relationships with American politicians, et cetera, et cetera, to advance the issue of Russia, to advance Russia's interests, whether. Whether this, as alleged, is completely illegal or not, I'll I'll leave it to other people. But that's what she's accused of doing. She's working at the behest of the Russian government to try to, I don't know, influence American policy. And she's doing that by, I don't know, presumably, you know, trying to influence politicians. 
All right. So how does Scott Walker get involved in this? Well, back in 2015, you will remember for several months, Governor Walker was a candidate for president. And in that capacity, as a candidate for president, he is at the NRA convention in Tennessee in the spring of 2015. Now, he is one of the potential candidates. I have never been to the NRA's annual convention, but thousands and thousands of people go. And a number of politicians this will will speak in front of the, the NRA's gathering. So he was running for president, and he is one of many, many people that are there. At these type of events, it is not uncommon for candidates, speakers, or whatever to have an availability where they meet with attendees. Um, and the, it kind of like in a meet and greet sort of situation. They meet attendees. They don't have, now in some cases, they'll set up, in certain cases, hey, we don't we'll have a private reception. But in other cases, they just meet them. It, it's a sort of like a meet and greet. You're there in a larger room, and you can come up and you can meet the particular candidate. Apparently, what happened was during this, this convention, um, Governor Walker is in th- this giant atrium area waiting to deliver his speech. And, and he's out there in public and you have event attendees who are coming up and they're, they're, they're meeting him. Hello, Governor Walker. Nice to meet you, etc. And there will be photo opportunities that are there. Hey, can I take a picture with you? Yeah. Okay. So Walker is there. He is meeting tens, my guess, hundreds of people. And my guess is Scott Walker, I don't know for sure, but my guess is Scott Walker does that on a regular basis. In any given week, as he goes out and tours the state or travels across the country, my guess is there are all sorts of people who come up, introduce themselves to him. They have a brief conversation. um, A picture is taken, and then, boom, they, they go on. So at this convention, apparently what happens is this... This woman, who has subsequently been indicted, goes up, um, is introduced to Governor Walker. Um, she's introduced, apparently, as being from Russia or whatever. They, they have a, a brief exchange. He apparently knows hello and goodbye in Russian, and, and they talk a little bit. And they he poses for a picture with her. Okay, She goes back and posts it on her blog, saying, hey, I, I had this opportunity to meet the governor um, I, he seemed, you know, very, very interested in Russian matters, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that's it. When he announced that he was actually running, apparently she attended the announcement along with lots of other people, but I don't know that there was any contact then. So that's it. They, they met each other. So the headline is Scott Walker met with woman now charged in Russian plot during his presidential bid. This is, at least in my opinion, what the old movie um, Absence of Malice would refer to as being accurate, but but not true. And maybe it's not even necessarily accurate. The implication, and this is where words matter, is when you say somebody met with somebody, it implies that you took a meeting, that there was a, a purpose that you had. That, to me, is completely, totally different than there was a random meeting. Governor Walker is at an event 
Somebody comes up, is introduced to him. They exchange conversation and remarks. You take the picture, and then you move on. He met, at least apparently according to what's going on here, he met her. All right? Did he take a meeting with her? Did they have a lengthy conversation about the the U.S. relations with Russia and what they might be if he got elected president? Well, there's nothing to suggest that. This this contact isn't listed in any the indictment or anything like that. They they just met each other as he probably meets, like I say, hundreds of people, maybe when he was running for president, thousands of people and poses for these photos. Um, to say he met with the woman now charged in the Russian plot during his presidential bid implies that there was something nefarious going on. It is a cheap shot, and it is fake news. And this is why my commentary is to, to members of the mainstream media, if you don't like being accused of peddling fake news, well, well, don't peddle fake news. I'm not sure why this is a story to begin with, but the idea that, gee, Scott Walker could be at some event, and she is one of hundreds, maybe thousands of people that he shakes hands with, exchanges pleasantries with, has a brief conversation with, to say that it's uh, he met with the woman now charged in Russian plot implies that there was something a lot deeper than I think what actually happened. And again, for people in the mainstream media who get frustrated with being accused of fake news, it's stories like this. This story, at least in my opinion, is a complete and total nothing burger. Did he meet this woman who's now been charged as being a Russian spy? Yeah, 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 he did. No question about it. The issue, though, is, is so what? 1225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back in a couple minutes, I, I do want to, with 24 hours hindsight, talk about what happened in Helsinki yesterday. Most of the pundits, both from the right and the left, the left is more hysterical about it. There's a lot of pundits on the right who believe that it was an absolute train wreck as far as the American president was concerned. I want to reflect, having 24 hours to think about it. That was certainly my initial reaction. I will tell you whether time has changed my opinion, and we will discuss in just a couple moments. Right now, 1226. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Like I said, coming up in about seven minutes, we're going to discuss the 24-hour-later aftermath of President Trump's comments in Helsinki. He's also going to be doing one of these these meet-the-media sessions, I guess, where he's going to be talking to some certain members of Congress, and apparently they're going to open it up maybe to questions or comments. It's going to be interesting to see whether he decides to backtrack on some of the things that he said yesterday or whether he continues digging that hole. So with President Trump, normally... He's got this kind of Wreck-It Ralph approach to stuff, and normally he just keeps digging and digging and digging, but but we will see. Hey, here's one of the more interesting stories of, of the day, and I lump it in the category of they have guts. Maybe maybe no sense of PR, but they have guts. Remember, it was about, well, a little over, it was over a year ago where you had the mass shooting in Las Vegas. You had the guy that had the room at the Mandalay Bay and started shooting out of the windows. Remember all that? Well, a number of the people who are victims, you know, are pursuing, you know, lawsuits. And the the Mandalay Bay, um, which is owned by MGM, is, is one of the potential people, uh, groups or organizations or corporations that are involved in the lawsuit. Mandalay Bay has decided to go on the offensive. 
they are filing their own federal lawsuit against victims of the shooting. Why would they be suing the victims? Well, they are alleging that uh, the victims have no cause of action, that they're not responsible. And what they're doing is they're, they're essentially striking first because they want to get the case into federal court. They don't want to have it heard in a local court um, or state court in Nevada. So they're taking what I think is an extraordinary step of suing the victims. This is, needless to say, not going over very well. 1234, Jeff Weck, WTMJ. All right, let me just review the bidding quickly before we, we open up the phone lines uh, on the whole Trump thing. There are, there to me, with Russian influence and meddling in the 2016 election, there are, are two issues that the president merges together, but they are distinct issues. And I, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. The first question is, did Russia try to meddle in the U.S. election in 2016? And I think the answer is clearly yes. This is what the, the House Intelligence Committee has found. This is what's contained in the grand jury indictments that came out last week. Um, Paul Ryan says, yeah, this happened. Uh, Ron Johnson says, yes, it happened. Almost everybody who has looked at this says, yes, Russia tried to mess around in our election and Russia hacked the DNC and Russia did all this. And and I think they were, I mean, trying to, I think, help Donald Trump get elected because they would prefer to have Donald Trump uh, in office than Hillary Clinton. That, I think, is a reality. Right. So that's that's one issue. The second issue is, did Donald Trump conspire with Russian operatives to, you know, have Russia hack in and try to meddle in the elections. And this is what the, I I understand the Trump haters, they seize on this and they think it's going to be impeachment. I don't believe that there is any evidence at all to suggest that there was an active conspiracy, that there was collusion. So there's really two issues. Did Russia try to hack in and mess with our elections? Of course they did. Did Trump conspire? Did he collude? No. But President Trump puts these things both together and, and says, well, there, there wasn't any collusion. And then he uses that to say that there wasn't any meddling. Well, of course there was meddling. And, and you could acknowledge that there was attempts to meddle without saying I was any part of this. But for some reason, he can't do that. And so he, he takes these two issues and yesterday... You had him in the very, very uncomfortable position of standing there next to Russian dictator Vladimir Putin and saying, well, I believe Putin when it comes to saying that Russia didn't meddle. Well, all right. He decided on a world stage to take the side of the Russian strongman over the side of common sense, reality and the collective intelligence committee of the United States. And it was an embarrassing moment. To, now, I understand, as soon as he did this, then you, you had you had the hate left that goes nuts. This is treason and things like that. No, it's not treason, but it's not a very good picture. The Wall Street Journal. Now, the Wall Street Journal is one of the few reliably conservative editorial pages in the country. And, you know, they have a lengthy they have a lengthy editorial today that, generally speaking, is extremely critical of President Trump 
indicating that they felt he looked weak on all these various issues, that you go to Europe and you are peeing all over our European allies, and then you're sucking up to Vladimir Putin. But here's here's the part about the press conference, and I want to I want to share this this portion of the editorial with you. Details from the private Trump-Putin talks in Helsinki will spill out in coming days, but Monday's joint press conference was a personal and national embarrassment. This, by the way, is the Wall Street Journal. On stage with the dictator whose election meddling has done so much to harm his presidency, Mr. Trump couldn't even bring himself to say he believed his own intelligence advisors, like Dan Coats, over the Russian strongman. Quote, I have I have confidence in both parties, end quote, Mr. Trump said. So I have great confidence in my intelligent people. But I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And then the Wall Street Journal writes denials from liars usually are strong and powerful. The charitable explanation for this kowtow to the Kremlin is that Mr. Trump can't get past his fury that critics claim his election was tainted by Russian interference. And so he couldn't resist in front of the world going off on a sophistic ramble about Hillary Clinton's emails and Democratic servers. He can't seem to figure out that the more he indulges his ego in this fashion, the more he seems to indulge Mr. Putin, the more ammunition he gives to his opponents. For a rare moment in his presidency, Mr. Trump also projected weakness. He was the one on stage beseeching Mr. Putin for a better relationship while the Russian played it cool and matter-of-fact. Mr. Trump touted his personal rapport, saying the bilateral relationship has never been worse than it is now. However, that changed as of about four hours ago. I really believe that, the Wall Street Journal says. In four hours? Mr. Putin focused his agenda of consolidating Russian strategic grains in Syria, Ukraine, and arms control, and suggesting that the American might help. Mr. Trump even seemed to soften his stance against Russia's Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline to Germany. By going soft on Putin, Mr. Trump will paradoxically find it even harder to make deals with the Russians. Republicans and Democrats will unite in Congress, as they should, to limit his diplomatic running room. Mr. Trump may decide to court Mr. Putin anyways, like Barack Obama did Iran's mullahs. But political isolation concerning a foreign adversary is a weak and dangerous place to be. That is the Wall Street Journal. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My reaction in the immediate aftermath of that press conference yesterday was this is an absolute train wreck. President Trump looked weak. President Trump looked rambling. President Trump looked semi unhinged. And he was completely and totally rolled by the Russian premier. Having thought about this for 24 hours, you know what? I don't take any back anything I said. I think this was a disastrous press conference, and over the last 24 hours, President Trump has continued to dig himself a deeper and deeper hole, and he needs to figure out how to get out of it. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was this as bad as many pundits, myself included, think? Or was this part of some big master plan? Or is the criticism, what did Rand Paul say? part of Trump derangement syndrome. And I think there is really a Trump derangement syndrome that's out there, but the critics, both from the right and left of this news conference, 
I don't think they're suffering from it in this case. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How did the president do yesterday now that we have 24 hours of hindsight? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have tried to be open-minded when it comes to President Trump. Uh, when he does stuff that I think is good, I I applaud him for that. And I know it drives some people crazy. At the same time, I, I haven't completely and totally gotten intoxicated with the Kool-Aid. When he does stuff that I think is wrong, I call him out on that. The tariffs, I think. You know, promoting a trade war is disastrous. I think going to Europe and peeing all over our European allies, even though he has a point when it comes to NATO spending, the United States pays more than its fair share towards NATO. And I think it's fair to expect European countries to contribute to pay more. I also think it's fair to say to a country like Germany, hey, if we're contributing to NATO, which is supposedly to defend you from Russia, what are you doing, you know, engaging in billions of dollars of trade with Russia on this oil pipeline? That Those are fair commentary. But there's ways you can do it, and there's ways you can do it. And then you go to, you know, Helsinki, and you have the president who essentially decides that he's going to side with Vladimir Putin over his own intelligence committee um, and its intelligence advisors and take a position that I, I don't think anybody believes. It can't be founded in reality to believe that Russia wasn't trying to meddle in the 2016 elections. And just because Russian tried to meddle doesn't mean that you colluded or you committed a crime or you conspired against them. But by failing to make that difference, I think he looked very weak. Bob in Wauwatosa. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. I voted for Trump. If the decision came up again, I'd vote for him again. I don't care what he says. I care about his policies and what he does. Jeff, I'm about your age, okay? Okay. I remember when the I remember when the Russians were meddling in our stuff during the the neutron bomb thing in Germany. I I remember all Mm -hmm. these things. You know, they the Russian Empire meddled in the U.S. Right, 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 but you would Russia is our enemy, right? Russia no, is they're our, not enemy. our enemy. They're our, they're our adversary. Mm-hmm. And they, they want to weaken us, yeah. but they also want to have relations with us. And this has been going on for decades. But Trump, you know, this was no grand plan of Trump, but Trump always sucks up to the people he with. He likes to flatter people. That's his style. He does that to their face, and then he cuts them with a knife from behind. That's, that's his style. I mean... You know, I, 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 I don't know if he, I know he has a bone to pick with U.S. intelligence because he thinks they tried to set him up with that, right. uh, you know, dossier, but it, it's not a disaster. He didn't give up the Crimea without a fight. Let me just put it that way. Okay. Well, thanks, Nicole. Well, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't buy the, this notion of adversary. I mean, I, I'm going to go back and, I'm not sure what the distinction is in the real world between adversaries and enemies, but no, I just, it's interesting that you should mention the Cold War. I just got done reading a fascinating book about these two FBI agents who were in, one was an FBI agent, one was a code breaker who were involved in the Julius and Ethel Rosenberg case and how they were able to, you know, figure out that Russia had spies that had stolen the atomic bomb, the secrets of the atomic bomb. It's actually a fascinating book about that period of time, but, but Russia, whether you want to call him an enemy or whether you want to call him an adversary, Russia is not our friend. I mean, the reason you have strained relations between U.S., the U.S. and Russia is because Russia 
is trying to strengthen their hold. They've annexed the Crimea. You have Russia that's trying to, you know, again, strengthen its hold in Syria. And you need a strong counterbalance. And you're not seeing that from this president. And I think the spectacle of President Trump on the world stage in I mean, a lot of the headlines say, you know, that Trump was Putin's poodle. I, I don't know that I go that far, but he had an opportunity to stand up in public to the Russian dictator, and he blew it. He just flat out blew it. And I think part of it, again, is because, as you were talking about, Bob, he can't get past the fact that um, he he – is upset with the intelligence community. He feels that his presidency has been undermined by these ongoing Russia investigations. But my point would be, if you're going to be upset with somebody, start with being upset with Russia for engaging in this behavior in the first place that has provided this taint to the presidency. 414-799-1620. Bob in Hortonville. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Bob. I think that Trump is a, a direct threat to our democracy as we know it. He's always attacking uh, all of our institutions, the judiciary, the legislative, the free press. He tries to attack and then desensitize. And uh, what he's done is treasonous, in my opinion. Tell me why you think it's treasonous. That's a big word to throw around. He, he delegitimizes everything we're about. He doesn't care about our democracy. He wants an autocracy. And it's time we put country in front of, uh, of party. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I get. Look, I, I mean, here, here's here's the problem, Bob. I I think when people throw around words, just like just like I cringe when somebody calls somebody else a Nazi. That to me, it's like, okay, do do you really understand what that that is? And and to say treasonous, all right. That that do I think this? Do I think that he got rolled? Absolutely. Do I think he looked bad and weak on the world stage? Absolutely. Treason is, uh, again, that's a big word to, to throw around. And I think you have to be really careful when you say, all right, by being submissive to the Russian president, um, that that's treasonous. I, I think it was, I think it was bad policy. I think there's a lot of stuff that President Obama did that made us look weak, like in Syria, where he draws the red line. Do I think that Obama committed treason by drawing this red line and not following through on it? No, but I I think it showed weakness, and I think President Trump showed weakness and a peculiar sense of priorities when you go and you are much, much more aggressive and nastier towards our allies in Western Europe then you are towards Russia. Now, I have a text, and I am somewhat sympathetic. What was he supposed to do? Antagonize the leader of the second largest nuclear armament in the world by calling him a liar on the global stage? No. No. I, I'm not saying that you have to come out and say, I think Vladimir Putin is a liar. But you can handle this in a number of other ways, as opposed to saying, well, I've got all these facts on this one side, and I've got Vladimir Putin telling me no. You, you could give a million answers, and I'm sure he has all sorts of advisors that prepped him to give those answers, most of them probably being something like, we are troubled over these allegations. Our investigations have clearly showed that we believe that there was state meddling in our elections we are committed to making sure this doesn't happen again and we are committed to doing everything we can to bring those involved to justice to that end i am encouraging president putin to extradite the 12 people that were named in the indictment so they can have their day in court all right fine you're not calling him a liar but you are again expressing a position of strength instead of 
Well, I believe him. It, it, in a way, it reminded me. You ever watch the TV show Dallas? You know, the old, the old TV show Dallas. J.R. Ewing, the great character by Larry Hagman. There was this one scene. He was cheating on his wife, Sue Ellen, all the time. There was this one great scene where she bursts into the bedroom and he's in bed with another woman. And she's going, J.R. And he says, well, it's not what you think. She says, what do you mean it's not what I think? And he says, who are you going to believe, darling, me or your lying eyes? You know, and it just, this is kind of what you had out there yesterday. You know, it is just, it, it's sort of, you get the impression that Putin completely played the U.S. president. And I understand if you're a fan of President Trump, you don't like hearing that. But I think most objective observers recognize that by taking the position he's done, he has put the United States in a very, very difficult difficult position diplomatically and he's also again making making it up as he goes along to deny that there were russian attempts at influencing the election in 2016 is simply to deny the facts and you can do that you you could acknowledge that without saying that hey i'm guilty of collusion because i don't think he was guilty of collusion i don't think there's any evidence that's going to suggest that but the underlying premise of did Russia mess around in our elections? Of course they did. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTFJ. And again, sir, sometime after 1 o'clock in the next 10 minutes or so, we're being told that the president is going to be meeting with members of Congress. And I, I think the, I think that there might be an availability where you know he speaks to the nation to address what I think was, by all stretches of the imagination, a train wreck of a meeting yesterday. It's uh, 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 108, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, for everybody who thinks they want to do my job, okay, let me just, two, two tweets that came in just while you were doing the news. Okay. Case. All right. Jeff, I could care less about Trump in Russia. Big deal, whatever, who cares? It will all blow over and be forgotten by next month. Throw Trump to the wolves and he'll come back leading the pack. All right. No big deal at all. No problem. All right. Okay. So then let's see. Let's find the. Uh, uh, let's see. Let me find the. The. the uh, all right. Um, speak up. Use your voice to call for this traitor's impeachment. <laughs> you know, um, Hillary Clinton was exactly right about Trump being Putin's puppet. And the GOP has become the puppet of Trump and the filthy Trump party. Um, you know, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, there, there's just, there, there's just no, no middle ground on oh, this particular God, no. issue. Absolutely not. None at, none at all. Now, again, we are, we are awaiting President Trump's remarks on the Putin summit. One of the things that has been fascinating, and, and I, I see this a lot as somebody who, who speaks about news and newsmakers. I have always believed that when you dig yourself a hole, as a general rule, it is best to climb out of the hole, declare victory, and move on. That's kind of the way I express it. Some people, though, refuse to do that, and they keep digging. Now, President Trump, um, in the apparently, I mean, what the reports are is he's on Air Force One flying back from Helsinki. He's watching the news accounts, and he's fuming, just getting madder and madder and madder. He, he's hacked off. I, I didn't share it with you, but there these reports. I, I was looking at this one report, CNN, of course, you know, assembled like the top 10 most critical remarks by Republicans. And, you know, it, it they're there. I mean, but apparently President Trump is just furious about that. 
And then in, you know, an interview he gave with Sean Hannity yesterday, he's not backing down on this at all. He is, he is continuing to double down on what I think was this disastrous thing. So now, Eric, it is going to be curious when, you know, where are you 24 hours from now? Is he going to continue to, I don't know, justify, talk about what a great meeting it was? Or Does is he, he going to triple down? Yeah. Well, exactly. And if you, if, if you look at his, modus operandi it, it is it's it's like tripling down that's what he typically ends up doing i tell you what again we're the timing of these remarks is a little bit unclear we are going to be bringing to you them to you and i'm i'm actually fascinated by what it is he has to say let me take a quick break when we come back we'll kind of see where that is and um, we'll either launch into i've got a great topic about uh scott walker the city of milwaukee and urban transportation we'll either talk about that or we'll carry the trump remarks we'll see where we are stick around it's 111 this is jeff wagner wtmj 114 jeff wagner wtmj mitch mcconnell just uh making some remarks to the press where he says it, it's indisputable that you know russia meddled in the 2016 election yeah that's the that that's the case and i, I think you know in the face of condemnation on both the right and the left it's going to be interesting to see if president trump continues to maintain his position that i I believe vladimir putin when he says no as opposed to what i I think again is just the indisputable evidence that yes russia ended up doing this one of the interesting things the the primary let's switch gears a little bit the primary um the partisan primaries is a month from today Four, well, four weeks from today. Matter of fact, at 2.08, we're scheduled to be joined by U.S. Senate candidate Leah Vukmir. We had her opponent, Kevin Nicholson, on last week. Uh, Senator Vukmir was endorsed today by the National Rifle Association. We're going to be talking to her about various issues, including you know what's going on in foreign policy matters over the course of the last year. So you've got you know that election, which is coming up, and then you've got the choice. There are now, what, eight Democratic candidates running for the right to challenge Governor Walker and the, the the latest numbers. They had to release their campaign finance numbers through the first six months of the year. And I, I guess there, there's one thing that's surprising and there's one thing that's not surprising. It is not surprising that, that Governor Walker, as far as fundraising, has just completely and totally dwarfed all all the the would be challengers. Um, Governor Walker, um, let's see, has five point nine million dollars on hand as of June 30th, Walker raised more than twice as much money as all of the eight Democrats together. That's number one. That's not surprising. What is a little bit surprising to me is the fact that the Democratic candidates have raised so little money. Now, the one that has the most money on hand is uh, former state representative Kelda Roy's from from the Madison area, she's got um, six hundred and eighty eight thousand six hundred sixty eight grand on hand. The problem is that a good portion of that money comes from from her. Um, let's see, she put almost three hundred and fifty four thousand dollars into her campaign. So about half of the money she's raised has come from her. I say I've never understood that. I mean, I guess if you're really, really rich, it doesn't matter. But okay, you're, you're running for a job that pays 150 grand or whatever. You, you put 354 thousand dollars of your own money. So the only reason, as a practical matter, that Kelder Royce, who's a very, very liberal candidate out of Madison, has more money in cash on hand, is because she wrote herself 
a big, big check. Um, that, together with Emily's List, which is the big sort of left-wing organization that promotes left-wing women, um, they donated apparently $84,000 just before the reporting period ended. So the reality is, I mean, if you look at Royce's money, the vast majority of it is either her dough or from Emily's List. doesn't exactly show a populist wave. Democratic chair, Former Democratic chairperson Matt Flynn, who's run and lost just for just about everything there is to run and lose for, he had four hundred and three grand on hand, but um, he's put um, $140,000 of his own dough into the race. Um, Malin Mitchell had about 368000 available. Tony Evers had about $307,000 available, including a hundred grand of his own money that he's re- raised. Liberal activist Mike McCabe has $68,000 available, um, but of that, he put $60,000, his own money, into the contest. Um, and, and it goes on. Kathleen Weinhout of Alma had about $21,000 in her campaign account. Um, she's given her campaign about $15,000 of her own money. Kenosha attorney Joe Paid was running a $23,000 deficit in his campaign account at the end of June. He raised about $12,000 in the first half of the year. Bottom line of, of all this and the takeaway, and, and look, whoever ultimately gets the Democratic nomination, there's going to be a ton of out-of-state money and political action group money that, that pours into the race. So whoever ultimately wins, I think is going to have access to money. That's not going to be the issue. But one of the things that I think is so fascinating is four weeks ahead of the election, you haven't had any candidate that's been able to distance themselves from the field, and none of the candidates are are raising any sort of significant amounts of money in the big picture. I mean, you don't, you know, I mean, again, they've raised a bunch. The ones that have the money to spend are by and large people that have written themselves big checks. And there's nothing wrong with that. They, they get to do it. That's the freedom of, of speech that you have. You can write yourself checks. But again, the interesting thing to me is that they're not, there, there doesn't appear to be any candidate really gaining traction. There's going to be a Marquette University Law School poll that comes out tomorrow, and maybe it'll give some indication as to whether like one candidate is emerging. But if you look at the fundraising numbers, you certainly don't get the idea that anybody is coalescing, coalescing around any candidate. And the ones who lead in the money chase really only lead because they've decided to put a lot of dough in their own campaigns. It's 120. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, none of which, by the way, is something that uh, is good if you're one of those people hoping that Scott Walker loses. 122, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, for what it's worth, Russian media celebrating the triumph of Vladimir Putin in Helsinki. Great performance. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Again, we're awaiting President Trump's remarks. We will bring them to you when he decides to speak. It was originally scheduled to be at 1 o'clock. Nothing happening as of right now. All right, I want to completely and totally switch gears. We we discussed this about a week or two ago, and, and now... The, the issue is starting to become a little bit clearer. There, there's this thing called, it's a company called Bird Scooters. And these are, these are scooters that have an, an electric motor that is attached to them. And they're capable of going 15 to 20 miles an hour. The business model for Bird Scooters is that they drop them off in an urban area, in this case, Milwaukee. And what happens is you you download an app. 
You find where a particular scooter is. You don't have to go to a particular store or anything like that. They're just left on the streets. What you do is you download the app. You get the whatever information you need to activate the scooter. You charge your ride, and then you take off on the scooter. Um, I think it's a dollar for the rental, and then it's like 15 cents or a quarter, you know, per, you know, quarter mile or, or whatever. And then you go wherever you want to go. So let's say you're in downtown Milwaukee, you're in the corner of Wisconsin Avenue and Water Street, and you want to go up to Marquette University, you find one of these scooters that's on the corner there, you hop on it, you download the thing, you use the scooter to get you up to Marquette, you just drop it off, and then you go on your way, and your credit card that you have on file is charged, kind of like you know the Uber thing and all that. So that that's the business model that is there. The, the company, they don't have like a brick-and-mortar store, what the company does is then they go out in the evening and they pick up all the scooters. Apparently, you know, they're able to find them through GPS. They pick up all the scooters, they service them, and then they drop them on the streets um, for people to use the next day. Now, the city of Milwaukee, along with a lot of other cities, has been trying to get these things banned. The city of Milwaukee maintains that as a matter of law, these motorized scooters are illegal to operate, that you need a driver's license, they need to be registered, and they're illegal to operate. They maintain that if someone is using one of these, they are violating the law and they can be fined. Now, interestingly, the company the company can't be fined, but the person who uses it can be. So the city of Milwaukee is saying, okay, this is, it's deceptive. People don't know. They find these things. They don't realize that it's illegal, and they're engaging in this illegal behavior, and all of a sudden they get a ticket that costs however much the ticket ends up costing. There's also, again, so the city maintains these things are illegal. The city also, let's be honest, um, would like its share of the dough from these because, you know, right now they, they don't pay registration fees to the city. The city doesn't get any money from this, but people use them and people get around. A lot of people I know are down at the lakefront are using these things. I mean, they're great down at the lakefront. If you like this type of stuff, you pick one up and you use it to, you know, go up and down the lakefront. It's a great option to walking or jogging or riding your bike. So that's the issue that's out there. The city is trying to shut this down. The city maintains that it's illegal. It's against the law for people to operate these on the streets and that the city can't change that. Right. That's the, the premise of this. Uh, the governor, interestingly enough, he, he's asked yesterday, you know, ab- about this. And the city has, by the way, gone to federal court. Uh, the fed- city filed an action in state court. Bird scooters removed it to federal court. They're trying to get this practice. The city is trying to block them, get them enjoined, say this illegal. Uh, yesterday, Governor Walker indicated that he is open to working with the company that dropped these scooters off in Milwaukee. He says, look, um, I mean, I'm, I am willing to at least, you know, talk about this. These scooters have become a popular way to get around various neighborhoods. You know, people like it. And I'm at least open to working with Bird. He says, I think it's something we'd look at. We'd have to work with the state legislature on that. We want to have many different opportunities, and sometimes it's a simple question of interpretation. So whether it's a law change or whether they need an opinion from the state, we're willing to work with them and any other company. So what Walker is saying is, you know, maybe maybe the city's interpretation of the law is incorrect. 
I'm not sure that it is really one way or the other. But the bigger point is, are these scooters something good for the urban area? Is this business model something that you would like to see happen? And again, I I don't want to get into the nuances of whether it's legal or not. I want to talk about the big picture concept. You know, these these motorized scooters, would they be something that, that are good to have in the area? Now, on the one hand, they get people around. The flip side, I guess, is that, well, you know, you have these things that are going like 20, up to 15 or 20 miles an hour. If people don't know how to operate them and they're not using driver's licenses, you know, they can hurt themselves. They can hurt other people. There's all sorts of things like that. But, you know, in general, would you like to see these around the city of Milwaukee or would you like to see them around your community? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Without taking a position, on whether or not these things right now can legally be operated on the streets and sidewalks of Milwaukee without getting into the legalities. I think this is something that the city should, in fact, be exploring. I think this is a great alternative way for people to get around. Just like I think you've got the bikes now that you can you know rent and you can drop off, This, I think, these scooters, I think, are similar to this. Now, I don't have any problem at all. I I do think that, you know, it's reasonable for the city to regulate these. I think it's reasonable for the city to have certain requirements, making sure that these things are safe to operate. I think it's reasonable to expect that if you're going to operate this business in this community, that you, you know, have to pay some sort of fees. I think that's all fair. But as a general concept, I think these are pretty darn, I think it's a good idea. It looks like a lot of fun. Would I be using a bird scooter? No, I wouldn't. But I could see, again, how lots of people, particularly younger people, I think if you're living in the city, this would be something great. And if you're down at the lakefront, I think a lot of people would have fun with these. Jim and Franklin. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Um, last week, my wife and I were discussing this, and we thought, you know, it's fantastic. It's great. It makes us more of a millennial city. Um, last night she was walking to O'Donnell from uh, NM where she works, right. Western Mutual, right. and she said that uh, she was almost run over by one of these. Right. Uh, the guy was, there were two people, and they were both on the birds, and they were coming at her, and the lead guy was looking back at the person behind him talking to her. And uh, my wife had to, like, go to the grass off the sidewalk so that she right. didn't get run over. So you will always have idiots who right. uh, are texting while driving or looking backward while riding a bird. But but you have that on bicycles too, you know, people not right. paying attention. I mean that that's that's always unfortunately going to be going to be part of the the environment, especially the urban environment. Very true. Uh, but I think the number one cheerleader should this for this should be uh, Mayor Barrett yeah. because it'll be a great excuse for him that he can use when the uh, trolley folly doesn't work. <laughs> well, or you're right. I mean, or he, he can use it as a as something to kind of help out the trolley. Okay, you know, here here's what happens. You take the trolley and it doesn't go anywhere. You still got to go another six blocks. Hop on one of these scooters and go on over and do it. I mean, I, I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's I mean that, that that that's it. You know, I mean the, the trolley's not going to take you where you need to go. But okay, hop on this. No, thanks for calling. See, I mean, again, I I, I think you got to work stuff out, and I think that the city has every right to say these things should be regulated. But um, 
even acknowledging that you might have people that operate some of these in an irresponsible way. Well, here, here's Debbie at Heartland. She writes, as Milwaukee grows and tries to be more urban and modernized, it's a good thing. They're cool, fun, effective way to get around. Additionally, they're better than the pollution that comes with cars. Yeah, I, the city should be imp- – my God, if we can spend $100-plus million on this stupid trolley, you should be figuring out any way possible to embrace these motorized scooters. It's 131. Let's go to the WTM. 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, yes, the aging hippie mayor of uh, Madison, Paul Soglin, running for governor. Let's see. He had about $58,000 in his campaign account as of the end of June, raised 116000 from January to June. He, uh, he, that's going to be the hill he's going to, figuratively speaking, die on. He's running for governor. The primary is four weeks from today, but he is not seeking re-election. All right. Um, wh- apparently what's going on is the president is making remarks to members of, of Congress, but they're, they're not public. They're, they're being recorded, and they will be made available. We will play them as soon as they are made available. He's essentially, I'm, I'm looking at some of the screen crawls, saying – that despite what he said yesterday at the press conference, he accepts the U.S. intelligence agency's conclusion that meddling took place. I will be curious to see how he reconciles that with what he said yesterday. Right now, we're talking about the, these Bird scooters. Bird is a, a company. It, it's a brand. But these are these motorized scooters. Now, you've probably seen, like, the kids on the scooters. These have motors on them. They're electric motors. They can go up to 15 to 20 miles an hour. They have dropped a lot of them off in the city of Milwaukee, and people are riding them all over. The city of Milwaukee has gone to court and is trying to get an injunction to stop them from operating. The city says it's illegal to operate these on sidewalks and streets. They may be right. They may not be. But we're talking about big picture. Governor says, you know, even if these are illegal, he he might be willing to work with the company to get it so that they are legal. Would you like to see these in the city? Jose in Mequon. Jose, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so, funny enough, I normally never call in. I just like to listen. But uh, this weekend kind of changed it for me. We were going to Bastille Days on Sunday. And, you know, we wanted to try it out, see what it was like. Um, I'm all for it being down there. But I, a couple things for me. There needs to be a central location, just like bubbler bikes, of where to pick them up and where to drop them off. Because mm-hmm. these things are just scattered around on... Um, you know, the sidewalks, you, you got to find that you got to use the app to look and see where it is that you can find it and B, and this is kind of what spoke to me. Cars just aren't looking for these. Right. So we were going down the street using the bike lane, like they said that we're supposed to, um, car pulls out in front of us. These things go 20 miles an hour. I missed it and just slide down the street. So I've got a decent amount of road rash, <laughs> uh, some bruises and cuts mostly to my ego, but you know, I just think people aren't aware of these. Um, had you ever, I'm curious, Jose, had you ever ridden one yeah. of these before? Um, I've, I've ridden some scooters before, but not not like these. And, it, you know, it's crazy because it's a different feel. You're not really used to, you know, the instructions are on there, but you're not really sure how to get it going at first. And then you kind of get taken away by how fast they actually do go. Right. So, now, do, do they have, This is my, my, I've never ridden one of these, so this is a stupid question, but I'm going to, do, do they have brakes? <laughs> it, it does have a brake. Um, which works actually decently well, and it's got a, a tiny, the tiniest little bell you could ever think of. <laughs> which, you know, once you're going down the street, I can't even hear it. So right. I'm not sure what that's there for. Um, and then the brake lights on the back, too, they just constantly blink. They don't actually, you know, so if you're behind a group of people that are using these and they start braking, you really don't have 
any idea if they're doing that or not. You just kind of have to use your depth perception to, to do it. So great idea. I think great, just poor execution on, on multiple people's parts. Would um, you do it and, again? You know, would you Would you ride one again? Once I'm healed up, yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. Well, see, it's interesting. You you say like collective points. I I think one of the the aspects of their business model is they like the fact that they, they like the fact that they drop them off all over, so people can just sort of find them without having to walk to like a bike station. You think that's a drawback, huh? It is because you know when we were walking down there, we were walking down Jackson, and it said there was a you know there's four of them here. We get there. There's eight people trying all at the same time to unlock these four scooters. Oh, we said, okay, well, let's just go another block up. There's one behind Juno Village, and right. there's one in the parking lot of the, the Metro Market. So you kind of have to make your way around, and unless you really know your way around or you don't know where you're going, next thing you know, you're walking ten blocks. It takes away the whole premise of using the scooter. Right to make um, it easy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Interesting. I think I think this is going to be one where. Again, I, I, I'm intrigued by this because would, would I ride one? No. And I, I do think that there's certain safety issues. And I do think it's fair to, to say, all right, one of the big issues, do you have to have a, should you have to have a driver's license? Should you have to know how to do this? And I, I freely acknowledge that, um, you know, it is a little bit scary. Okay. We now have the playback of the president's remarks. These were to members of Congress. Here we go. Here we go. So here's what's happening, Jeff. This was already done. He spoke moments ago, and now they re-rack. The network's re-rack right. all the audio, if you will. They rewind it. So we heard them begin to play it, but now I think they must be on a pause and waiting until everyone gets it at the same time so they can air it on the cable networks and then give us the audio as well. This is just one of those behind-the-scene things. Right. No, it, it's kind of behind happened. the curtain. So I was having an interesting conversation with Jose. You guys, my producer grew is in my ear saying, oh, it's starting. It's starting. And, and what, essentially stop it did. Stop this. Knock it off. I mean, essentially, the implication is, come on, you've been doing this for 23 years. You know you're supposed to hit these time things. Get going. We don't want to be late on this. So I cut off my conversation with that wonderful man. And, okay, we, then, you know, we go to it, and we got nothing. Yeah, this is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so now. It did begin, though. He, he Kyle did everything. Oh, I'm sorry, grew did everything the right, right way. Right, okay, so now we're in the, okay, so now we're in this, like, we let people see behind the curtain. I can't take a break. I can't take another phone call. I can't go to like do like a drop or something because the second I do that, we're going to start with the, the the thing. I know that. And the bigger issue with this, by the way, for me, my perspective is that it's not live. This is something that already happened. So you start to hear the tweets already. The Associated Press is already out with some of the comments that he made. And the whole time you're waiting for him to finish so then they can rewind the tape and then send it out to all the now, networks. Now, he was, this was a meeting of Republican congressional... Okay. Yes. All right. We're now being here. Here is here is the remarks on playback. Go ahead. Yeah. So they're not ready yet. Right. You might want to bring that down. Okay. Tell you what we're gonna do. <laughs> tell you what we're. I'm going to take. We, we will take a a short break. When we come back, we we will see where we are. See, this is the beauty of live radio and. I just want to share it with, I want to share what's going on with the audience so they don't necessarily conclude that I'm the one that doesn't know what I'm doing here, which might be the case sometimes. It's uh, 143. When we come back, we hope to have the president's remarks. Stick around. 
146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, Eric Bilstadt, who joins me. Um, we're, we're awaiting breaking news. President Trump had a meeting with a number of Republican congressional representatives. The meeting occurred a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. They recorded the meeting, and now we're, we're waiting for them to make the audio of that available. So they go into one of the rooms. He addresses the situation in Helsinki from yesterday, and then people take that tape out and then send it back to the network. So we know what he says, at least some of it. We know that he is going to accept intelligence agencies' conclusions that meddling took place. He also is going to say that the Russia-U.S. relationship is better than ever. And then, of course, there's lots more that he has to say. Uh, we just have not heard it yet as they rewind the tape and deal with it. Now, this isn't, this isn't a media availability. He's not, a, he's not asked questions, or is he asked no, questions? Yeah, I no, I don't believe he has asked any questions. This was something with before they were going to sit down and talk with some GOP lawmakers about some other items. They were allowing the pool to come in, the pool of reporters or whatever, the two cameras and the guy with the microphone, to come in, get a couple of thoughts from the president, and then they would leave. So that's where it's at. And then it was going to be a closed-door meeting on some other issues. And it's just one of those things. I, I, I wish I could explain it better than that. Well, just... that's, it's not your fault. All right, let's oh, take a quick break. When we come back, hopefully we're ready. It's uh, 148, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 150, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. This press conference, this, 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 these remarks better be darn good. We've been waiting for them for a while. All right, what's the word? Supposed to start now, Kyle? Okay. Do we have something here? We do not. All right. We are awaiting the president's remarks to Congress. All right. Here we have special report on the, the summit. We don't have any live feed yet. Let's talk Brewers. All right. Brewers back in play on Friday. Um, the word is that Manny Muchado, who is the Baltimore Orioles shortstop, who is going to be a, a rental player. He's a free agent at the end of the year, and the Brewers could really use him, but they're only going to have him for two months. Uh, the, the rumor is that he is supposed to be traded not to the Brewers, but to the Los Angeles Dodgers, so the kind of the rich get richer. So interestingly, the Brewers open up the season, uh, open up the second, quote-unquote, half of the season in Milwaukee against the Dodgers. So could be that Machado is at Miller Park, but not with the Brewers. Actually, I mean... I, I, you'd love to have him, but at the same time, if it would mean really sacrificing the future to get a guy who's only going to be playing for two months, I, I hope they don't end up making that deal and just kind of go with what it is that they have. All right. In just a couple seconds, as we've been telling you for the last you know, half hour or so, um, President Trump, who dug himself a very, very deep hole. Um, with his appearance at this press conference, um, he's, he's now been addressing members of Congress. Here we go. More peaceful future for the United States. We're working very hard with our allies and all over the world we're working. We're going to have peace. That's what we want. That's what we're going to have. I say peace through strength. I have helped the NATO alliance greatly by increasing defense contributions from our NATO allies by over $44 billion, and uh, Secretary Saltenberg was fantastic. As you know, he reported that they've never had an increase like this in their history, and NATO was actually going down as opposed to going up. And I increased it by my meeting last year, $44 billion, and this year will be over, it'll be hundreds of billions of dollars over the coming years. 
And I think there's great unity with NATO. Uh, there's a, a lot of very positive things happening. There's a great spirit that we didn't have before. And there's a lot of money that they're putting up. They weren't paying their bills on time, and now they're doing that. And uh, I want to just uh, say thank you very much to Secretary Saltenberg. He, uh, he really has been terrific. So we had a tremendous success. I also had meetings with Prime Minister May on the range of issues that, uh, concerning our special relationship, and that's between the United Kingdom and ourselves. We met with the Queen, who is absolutely a terrific person, where she reviewed her honor guard for the first time in 70 years, they tell me. Uh, we walked in front of the honor guard, and uh, that was uh, very uh, inspiring to see and be with her. And I think uh, the relationship, I can truly say, is a good one. But she was uh, very, very inspiring indeed. Most recently, I returned from Helsinki, Finland, uh, and I was going to give a news conference over the next couple of days about the tremendous success, because as successful as NATO was, I think this was our most successful visit. And that had to do, as you know, with Russia. I met with Russian President Vladimir Putin in an attempt to tackle some of the most pressing issues facing humanity. We have never been in a worse relationship with Russia than we are as of a few days ago, and I think that's gotten substantially better. And I think it has the possibility of getting much better, and I used to talk about this during the campaign. Getting along with Russia would be a good thing. Getting along with China would be a good thing. Not a bad thing, a good thing. In fact, a very good thing. We're nuclear powers, great nuclear powers. Russia and us have 90% of the nuclear weapons. So I've always felt getting along is a positive thing, and not just for that reason. I entered the meeting with the firm conviction that diplomacy and engagement is better than hostility and conflict. And I feel that with everybody. Uh, we have 29 members in NATO, as an example, and I have great relationships, or at least very good relationships, with everybody. Uh, the press covered it quite inaccurately. They said I insulted people. Well, if asking for people to pay up money that they are supposed to pay uh, is insulting, maybe I did. But I can tell you, when I left, everybody was thrilled, and uh, that's the way this was, too. My meeting with President Putin was uh, really interesting in so many different ways, because we haven't had relationships with Russia for a long time. And we started. Let me begin by saying that, uh, once again, the full faith and support for America's intelligence agencies. I have a full faith in our intelligence agencies. Whoops, they just turned off the light. That must be the intelligence agencies. <laughs> there it goes. Okay. You guys okay? Yeah. That was strange. But that's okay. So I'll begin by stating that I have full faith and support for America's great intelligence agencies. Always had. And I have felt very strongly that while Russia's actions had no impact at all on the outcome of the election, let me be totally clear in saying that, and I've said this many times, I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. 
Uh, there's a lot of people out there. Uh, there was no collusion at all. And people have seen that, and they've seen that strongly. The House has already come out very strongly on that. A lot of people have come out strongly on that. I thought that I made myself very clear by having just reviewed the transcript. Now, I have to say, I came back and I said, what is going on? What's the big deal? So I got a transcript. I reviewed it. I actually went out and uh, reviewed a clip of uh, an answer that I gave. And I realized that there is a need for some clarification. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russia. So just to repeat it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. And the sentence should have been, and I thought it would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. I have on numerous occasions noted our intelligence findings that Russians attempted to interfere in our elections. Unlike previous administrations, my administration has and will continue to move aggressively to repeal any efforts and repel. We will stop it. We will repel it. Any efforts to interfere in our elections. We're doing everything in our power to prevent Russian interference in 2018. And we have a lot of power. As you know, President Obama was given uh, information just prior to the election, last election, 2016, and they decided not to do anything about it. The reason they decided that was pretty obvious to all. They thought Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. And they didn't think it was a big deal. When I won the election, they thought it was a very big deal. And all of a sudden, they went into action, but it was a little bit late. So he was given that in sharp contrast to the way it should be. And President Obama, along with Brennan and Clapper and the whole group that you see on television now, probably getting paid a lot of money by your networks, they knew about Russia's attempt to interfere in the election in September. And they totally buried it. And as I said, they buried it because they thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win. Turned out it didn't happen that way. By contrast, my administration has taken a very firm stance. It's a very firm stance on a strong action. We're going to take strong action to secure our election systems and the process. Furthermore, as has been stated, and we've stated it previously and on many occasions, uh, no collusion. Yesterday, we made significant progress toward addressing some of the worst conflicts on Earth. So when I met with President Putin for about two and a half hours, we talked about numerous things. And among those things uh, are the problems that you see in the Middle East, where they're very much involved, we're very much involved. I entered the negotiations 
with President Putin from a position of tremendous strength. Our economy is booming and our military is being funded 700 billion this year, 716 billion dollars next year. It will be more powerful as a military than we've ever had before. President Putin and I addressed a range of issues, starting with the civil war in Syria and need for humanitarian aid and help for people in Syria. We also spoke of Iran and the need to halt the nuclear ambitions and the destabilizing activities taking place in Iran. As most of you know, we ended the Iran deal, which was one of the worst deals anyone could imagine. And that's had a major impact on Iran, and it's substantially weakened Iran. And we hope that at some point Iran will call us and we'll maybe make a new deal or we maybe won't. But Iran is not the same country that it was five months ago, that I can tell you. They're no longer looking so much to the Mediterranean and the entire Middle East. They've got some big problems that they can solve probably much easier if they deal with us. So we'll see what happens. But we did discuss Iran. We discussed Israel and the security of Israel. And President Putin is very much involved now with us in a discussion with Bibi Netanyahu on working something out with surrounding Syria and Syria and specifically with regards to the security and long-term security of Israel. A major topic of discussion was North Korea and the need for it to remove its nuclear weapons. Russia has assured us of its support. President Putin said he agrees with me 100 percent and they'll do whatever they have to do to try and make it happen. Discussions are ongoing and they're going very, very well. Uh, we have no rush for speed. Uh, the sanctions are remaining. Uh, the hostages are back. Uh, there have been no tests. There have been no rockets going up for a period of nine months. And I think uh, the relationships are very good. So we'll see how that goes. We have no uh, time limit. We have no speed limit. We have uh, we're just going through the process, but the relationships are very good. President Putin uh, is going to be involved in the sense that he is he is with us. He would like to see that happen. Perhaps the most important issue we discussed at our meeting prior to the press conference was the reduction of nuclear weapons throughout the world. The United States and Russia have 90 percent, as I said, and we can have a big impact. But nuclear weapons is, I think, the greatest threat of our world today. And they're a great nuclear power. We're a great nuclear power. Uh, we have to do something about nuclear. And so that was a matter that we discussed actually in great detail, and President Putin agrees with me. The matters we discussed are profound in their importance and have the potential to save millions of lives. I understand the many disagreements between our countries, but I also understand the dialogue in the, uh, when you think about a dialogue with Russia or dialogue with other countries, but dialogue with Russia in this case, where we've had such poor relationships for so many years, dialogue is a very important thing and it's a very good thing. So if we get along with them, great. If we don't get along with them, then we won't get along with them. But I think we have a very good chance of having some very positive things. I thought that the meeting that I had with President Putin was uh, really strong. I think that they were willing to do things that 
Frankly, I wasn't sure whether or not they would be willing to do. And we'll be having future meetings, and we'll see whether or not that comes to fruition. But we had a very, very good meeting. So I just wanted to clear up. Uh, I have the strongest respect for our intelligence agencies headed by my people. Uh, we have great people, whether it's uh, Gina or Dan Coates or any of them. I mean, we have, we have tremendous people, uh, tremendous uh, talent within the agencies. Uh, I think they're being guided properly, and we all want the same thing. We want success for our country. So with that, we're going to start a meeting now on tax reductions. We're going to be putting in a bill. Kevin Brady is with us, and uh, I might ask Kevin just to say a couple of words about that, and then we'll get back on to a private meeting. But Kevin, could you maybe give just a brief discussion about what we'll be talking about? Yes, sir, Mr. President. Thank you uh, for having members of the Ways and Means Committee uh, here today. You know, peace through strength is foreign policy that works, and it works best when America has a strong economy. It's 205. You're listening to WTMJ Milwaukee. This is Jeff Wagner. We're going to take a very quick break. That was the president saying essentially he he misspoke, and he didn't, uh, when he meant to say he doesn't see why Russia wouldn't be responsible, he said uh, he doesn't see why they would be. I'm not sure that answers some of the questions, but that's what the president says. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're scheduled to be joined by GOP Senate candidate Leah Vukmir. Stick around. 205, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us four weeks from today. Voters will go to the polls in the primary election to determine who are going to be the candidates in the respective parties for the November elections. These are the partisan elections. Keep in mind, in Wisconsin, there are open primaries, which means you, you, you can decide when you show up at the polls whether you want to vote in the Republican primary or the Democrat primary. But you can't flip back and forth. So, for example, if you want to vote in the Democrat primary for governor – you, you won't be able to vote in the U.S. Senate primary, the Republican primary for, for U.S. senators. So you can pick whether you want to vote in the Democratic primary or the Republican primary, but you can only vote in one. The, I think from the perspective of the Republican side, obviously the, the top ticket, most interested race, an interesting race is the race to see who is going to challenge Tammy Baldwin in November. Uh, Kevin Nicholson, who's been a guest on the program before, and well-known to uh, this audience, State Senator Leah Vukmir. Uh, Senator, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Four weeks from today is the primary, and a lot of lot of ground to be covered between now and then, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, we're continuing to travel across this great state of ours. I've put over 75,000 miles on my car, and I've been to all 72 counties. And we'll continue to uh, go to those counties. In fact, we're headed up to the northwest part of the state as we speak. Yeah. Okay, Senator, let me start by the, the the subject that is getting all the attention right now. President Trump's press conference yesterday in Helsinki, where he appeared to reject the idea that there was Russian meddling in the uh, elections. First of all, do you believe that Russia meddled in the 2016 elections? I think it's an ongoing investigation. It certainly looks like it. If it's true, these operatives uh, should and, of course, uh, must be prosecuted. Um, I feel very strongly about that. We have to worry about unchecked power um, at any level of government. It's certainly something that we saw here in Wisconsin with the John Doe investigations. 
So um, I'm, you know, I'm glad that uh, the president is taking a strong stance. I tr- I've always trusted him as a great negotiator. Russia is no friend of the United States. Uh, President Trump is uh, going to do whatever is necessary to secure uh, a safe America. And I have a vested interest in it, of course, because I have a son who serves in the military. So I have a lot of confidence in him and how he will approach all of this. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that NATO is still viable and is still important to the the world? Uh, Absolutely. And I'm glad that President Trump has taken the stance uh, that he has at the recent uh, NATO meetings. And I think it's very important that everyone recognize that, you know, one country can't be shouldering the entire burden. And so, again, what we see here with President Trump is something that many people saw and voted for him because he is great at negotiating. He is great at putting America first. He's standing strong, peace through strength. Uh, we've seen him now standing up to Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Um, he is not afraid to speak out, as you know, and I am grateful that he is in the position that he's in. And we have to give him uh, some of the benefit of the doubt because he is known for being a great negotiator. And, and I think that's one of the features that people seem to forget. The media would like nothing more than to find ways to bring him down. I'm looking for ways to see him succeed. When he succeeds, our country succeeds, and, and we already are winning uh, with all of the accomplishments that have happened in the short time that he's been in office. And it's something that we've done here in Wisconsin. We've had a great track record of turning our state around. It's great to see that he's following through on the promise of trying to make America great again. That's what people want, people who follow through on their promises, just like I've done here in Wisconsin. To that, Trump to, is doing it. To, to that point, one of the the controversial policies over the last couple of weeks has been the whole issue of, of tariffs. Um, Senator Ron Johnson has, has already gone on the record as saying that he's extremely skeptical of, of the tariffs and getting in a trade war. And clearly, you're already starting to see some of the effect of that on Wisconsin, whether it's Harley Davidson or people who grow ginseng or soybeans or cranberries. Where do you stand on the question of of tariffs? Should we be aggressively increasing tariffs on some imports? I'm watching the situation very closely and listening very carefully to the industries in our state that will be affected by this. And, uh, you know, at heart, I'm a free trader, but and I believe President Trump is as well, but he also believes in fair trade. And in many regards, America is not getting a fair trade. We're getting a raw deal. Uh, Countries like China virtually eating our lunch. Um, the trade deficit is huge, and they're asking us to turn over our trade secrets, our company's trade secrets and technologies. And and so I think that he is standing up for America, as he always does. So I'm going to give him the opportunity to negotiate, because that's what he is known for, the art of the deal, And but always keeping my interest in Wisconsin and Wisconsin industry. You know, that's something I've have a track record of doing. You represent your constituents. I've done that in my Senate district. And as a U.S. Senator, I'll have the interest of the entire state that I have to think about. You know, I was just at a uh, farm appreciation parade in Dodgeville a few weeks ago, and I spent a lot of time talking to the farmers. And I was amazed that many of them, you know, are. They're, they want to um, stand by the president, and they're they're listening carefully. They're waiting, and they're going to see what happens. They want to see fairer deals, too. 
So, again, I will always keep a mind's eye to what the people of Wisconsin are talking about, what they see as important, and how it affects our industries, uh, both agricultural manufacturing. Uh, we're talking to State Senator Leah Vukmir, who, of course, is going to be on the ballot. The primary election is four weeks from today. Senator, uh, I guess the, the, the big campaign news today is the National Rifle Association, the NRA, endorsed your candidacy for State Senate, for, for U.S. Senate. Um, obviously, you, you embrace that. Is, is this a big deal as far as your campaign is concerned? It is, and I'm incredibly proud that I announced today that they have endorsed me and only me in this race. It is. A very important endorsement, and clearly they see a distinction between myself and my primary opponent. Now more than ever, Jeff, you know, the reactionary left is ready to restrict our gun rights, and I think Wisconsinites uh, need another senator who they can be 100% sure will stand up for lawful gun ownership. We have a great history in our state. Um, a hunting history, a sporting industry. And, you know, as a woman, it's about protection. More and more women are learning how to protect themselves, and I think that is very important. So um, I'm very thrilled with this endorsement. They have clearly followed. I've been a strong supporter of the Second Amendment, be it through um, concealed carry, castle doctrine, constitutional carry, and I'm, I'm very honored by it. As long as we're talking about that, you had an ad that generated at least some, in some circles, a bit of controversy. Um, I happened, by the way, love the ad, but um, you were at a table talking about things, and and you had a you had a handgun on the table with you. Was that obviously that was intentional? What sort of message were you trying to send with that ad? Well, look, my life was threatened during Act Ten, and actually. Um, I, it was threatened before that with uh, some other pieces of legislation that I put forth, and it, took, it turned me into a person who wanted to um, learn how to protect myself, and I want women and families and um, understand the importance and the need to protect themselves if they feel unsafe. So uh, it, it, it was a message to let people know that I am strong on the Second Amendment, that I believe in the right of individuals to protect protect themselves and their families and it also was a strong message letting people know I've been through some pretty tough times and I know what it takes to to stand up to the threat as we had many of them during the time that the Capitol was taken over and I won't back down and I think that's what people want they want strong leadership in Washington people who will stand up for conservative principles as I have done over and over and over again and do it again for them in Washington you know, Jeff, people are frustrated with a handful of senators in Washington who have forgotten that they're Republicans. And I think Senator Johnson needs a good counter, uh, another a junior senator who will join with him and be like-minded like him instead of having Tammy Baldwin cancel out his vote. Tammy Baldwin has been an absolute disgrace. She has let our veterans down. She has let all the good taxpayers of the state down by not believing that we deserve the tax cuts. That $2,000 that she considers uh, to be breadcrumbs like Nancy Pelosi, she doesn't support life. The list goes on and on why Tammy Baldwin is not right for Wisconsin, and the contrast could not be more clear between Tammy Baldwin, a do-nothing senator, and Leah Vukmir, a do-something senator. That's why people are rallying around me, why I've received the amazing support and endorsements that I have, 
the Republican Party of Wisconsin overwhelmingly at convention, 73% of the delegates, just this, these last two weeks to have Speaker Ryan, Congressman Sensenbrenner, Congressman Duffy, and Congressman Grossman join me. I'm thrilled. I'm honored by their support. They know what it takes, how to work in, in Washington, how to stand up to the special interests. And they know that I have the uh, the ability to do that because I've done it here in Wisconsin. You know, it's interesting you bring up the endorsements because you're exactly right. I mean, you have you you have the endorsement of, of most of what I would call the Republican establishment in the state, and that's that includes some very conservative people like Lynn Grothman, um, also some more what do we call mainstream Republicans. Um, do you think that those endorsements are going to be a net plus? Because I think your challenger might say, well, she's the establishment candidate. Um, I'm the insurgent candidate. I mean, is it is this good to be part of the Republican establishment in Wisconsin? The Republican establishment in Wisconsin, we're, we're activist Republicans. So I will take these endorsements because it's not just those elected officials, not those congressmen, not, um, not my colleagues. But it is the grassroots in every corner of the state, the people that stood with us through every single battle we have been through, and they they were there for us, the grassroots that get things done. So, you know, he may try this outsider approach. It may work as a cookie-cutter approach in other states, but it just doesn't work. It's not getting traction in Wisconsin because people in Wisconsin are savvy. They know what we've been through. They know that we're not run-of-the-mill establishment status for Republicans in Wisconsin. We have put Wisconsin on the map. We have turned our state around. I call it an economic miracle, and that's exactly what Washington needs, and they want tough fighters. And I have been a tough fighter, and sometimes, you know, my own colleagues are, you know, I've had to run up against them, and yet still supporting me because they know that when push comes to shove, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stand on our principles. I have never forgotten the people that have in, uh, supported me, the, the grassroots people that voted me into office. It is always my job to listen. I've done it, and I will do it in Washington as well. Senator, w- one final question. One of the things that a number of us saw six years ago, bruising Republican primary, um, ultimately former Governor Thompson comes out as the winner, um, but essentially, his campaign was broke. He was off the air for four weeks, and I think it gave Tammy Baldwin uh, a head start that, that Governor Thompson was never able to overcome. If you are the nominee you know, four weeks from tomorrow, are you going to be in a position to hit the ground running? We will definitely be in a position to hit the ground running, but I've got to tell you, right now, my uh, primary opponent has uh, an organization that is supporting him and funneling millions of dollars into the state of Wisconsin uh, to run attack ads against me. And this is very reminiscent of what happened, uh, the Club for Growth. They ran ads against Donald Trump, Scott Walker, and now they're doing it again here with me. And I think it's because they know that I'm going to be one of those people who will go to Washington to drain the challenge the status quo and actually get things done. These are D.C. insiders who are trying to stop me and um, they are aligned with Kevin Nicholson's campaign, and I think that people need to know that. And that's why, if they want to help me, now's the time. I've got four weeks to continue to get through this primary on August 14th. People can sign up at leahvukmir.com. Their time, their talents, their gifts, they're all needed, and I'll definitely take their prayers. But I believe we have the message. I have the proven, consistent track record 
that is going to make a difference in Washington, and most important, it's going to make the difference in that race against Tammy. Let's keep our eye on the ball. Tammy Baldwin isn't representing us at all, and I am going to be the person that will call her out and hold her feet to the fire and hold her accountable for all that she has not done for the state of Wisconsin. State Senator Leah Vukmir, thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll get a chance perhaps to talk sometime between now and the primary four weeks from today. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye. Absolutely. That's State Senator Leah Vukmir, who, of course, her name's going to be on the ballot four weeks from today. Um, I'll have a couple comments in just a moment. 223, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Appreciate State Senator Leah Vukmir joining us. I, I have... Um, I've had both Senator Vukmir and her opponent, Kevin Nicholson, on the program, and we'll continue to do that. I, I On a personal level, I like them both. I mean, people ask me all the time, where are you in the Senate race? And I will tell you, I, 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 I have not taken a position. I'm not going to, I don't think, take a position in the primary election. I think that they are both solid candidates. Uh, I, I think if there's an idea out there trying to convince people that Leah Vukmir is not a conservative, she's an establishment person, she's a she's a uh, you know a, a rhino or something like that, you, that that's just ridiculous. You know, I've said that to national publications. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Leah Vukmir has been a, a leading member of, I think, the Republican revolution that you've had in the state, and she's one of these people who was fighting real hard for Act 10 and all these other initiatives, and um, th- this idea that, oh, she's some sort of doctrinaire, establishment conservative, no, I mean, she's she's a Wisconsin Republican reformer, and I say that with affection. That, that's something positive. Kevin Nicholson, um, he's, he's kind of a flame-throwing, admittedly outsider, but I think he's solidly conservative. I think he's got a, a great and compelling story to tell. I think that they are both outstanding candidates. Here's what I hope. Um, I hope this race, and I, I understand that this is kind of a futile thing, but I, I remember six years ago, you had a four-way primary, and Governor Thompson, former Governor Thompson, emerged from it. But he was broke. The campaign was broke. They were off the air for four weeks, and they just never recovered from that. I hope over the next four weeks that the two candidates and and political action committees on both sides, I mean, uh, a political action committee, you know, running ads on behalf of Senator Vukmir, they, they launched some attack ads on Nicholson. She's making reference to some ads that I think have either come out or are coming out from the Club for Growth. I, I, I hope these these political action committees on both sides recognize that, all right, the, the prize is ultimately winning the seat in November. And if you go through a scorched earth approach in the primary, all you do is make whoever the eventual nominee is a lot weaker. And I hope, and I understand this is kind of futile to say it, but I, I hope that the people who are putting together these ads remember at um, as they approach it. Yes, you want to support your candidate. I get it. But that scorched earth theory, all it really does at the end of the day is benefit Tammy Baldwin. 229, Jeff Wagner. 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ Crew, who's producing the show today and always. It's the little things in life that I find amazing. Um, so yesterday, I... I when we were in Key West several months ago, I bought this this coffee, this thermal thing for for coffee at Sloppy Joe's, which is a famous Key West um, establishment. And it, it's just amazing. When I bring coffee in the morning, I, I can put coffee in there at 930 in the morning. It is still warm by 3 o'clock, which I, I just think is incredibly cool. So yesterday, my lovely and charming wife, she bought me a, a Yeti tumbler. 
um, for cold stuff. And I, I was just kind of, so this morning, just to kind of experiment this, this morning, 9 o'clock, I take some ice, I put it in the Shetty tumbler, I pour a Diet Coke on top of it, I am still drinking it. It is still cold, the ice is still there. This is the coolest thing in the world. Now, you might say it doesn't take much to impress me, but I mean, it, it's now 2.30, this has been there for five or six hours, and, and it's still five and a half hours, and it's the ice cubes are still there. America is a great country, I don't care what anybody says. All right. Grew. When you go to the grocery store, you have the lines that, you know, where there is actually a person in them. And then at a lot of the grocery stores nowadays, they also have the, the self-service lanes where you can go and check yourself out. Do you do you use those? When you have less than five items. Okay, I'm kind of old school. I can do it, but I almost never do. I, I just I, I can do it, but you know, inevitably what happens is I don't scan the thing right or the thing says you got to put it in the bag or whatever, and I end up becoming frustrated with it. I can do it, but I, I don't. Matter of fact, I was in this grocery store the other day, and, and I was even willing to wait in line. The guy was saying, well, you can just walk over here and scan your stuff. I said, no, I'll wait for the checker. And he kind of gave me a dirty look, like, you know, but all right, I, I, I admit I'm that way. Here is one of the downfalls of this. Um, it's a cup, I story out of the Chicago Tribune, but this is kind of this larger issue. There's a couple that is at is at a Walmart in Portage, Indiana, which is like the northern portion of Indiana. They are at the self-service scanner thing, and apparently they are scanning a number of items. And what happens is they don't – well, they, they scan a bunch of items, and then they're starting to leave. Um, they are stopped by the security guards. And they are told that a security video shows that they didn't scan a couple items at the self-service checkout kiosk. A couple items that you didn't scan. Now, I don't know if these people were trying to actually steal stuff or whether they just didn't scan it. I, you know, I, and I, I don't know. I'm, and you, you might say, well, how can you not scan it? Well, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes that stuff happens. You know, you've got the three 12 packs of Diet Coke at the bottom of the, your, your shopping cart and you, you pull the one out and you forget to mention that it's the other two. Maybe you're trying to rip off the, the Diet Coke, but sometimes people forget. So I don't know. But in any event, they go to the self-service kiosk. They don't scan everything and it gets caught on security video. So a security guard comes and says, okay, um, here, here's the deal. We, we have, we have caught you. Um, you, you've, you've undercharged yourself. Um, so what happens is that the, the store says, okay, here, here's the deal. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to let you pay for the items and we're not going to call the police because what Walmart says is, we have a, a threshold um, and below which, if, if you're not trying to steal over X amount of dollars, and they won't say what that number is, $50, $100, I don't know what it is, but we won't call the cops, and, and here's, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to let you, we're going to let you go. So the couple says, hey, this is great, you know, they're, they're, they're going to let me go, um, fine. So they don't think anything of it, they don't think anything of it, they go home. And about a week later, they get a letter from an attorney for Walmart. And the letter says, as a result of this incident, 
you are liable for a civil demand in the amount of $100. This demand is a court in accordance with Indiana Code, whatever, which allows retailers to recover a civil demand uh, in such instances. And then it says, unless you give us this $100, um, you know, you're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to sue you and take you to court. And the couple's like, well, well wait a second. Um, you know, we, we paid for the stuff. You didn't refer us to law enforcement, so there, there's no finding that we shoplifted, things like that, and now you're trying to shake us down for money. It's not right. All right, let's let's open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. What it appears is happening here is that Walmart makes the decision, we've caught people who might be shoplifting, and instead of calling the cops, and authorities getting involved. What they decide to do is they decide to do this kind of self-help stuff, tell you what, we'll let you pay for the goods, but then we're also going to threaten to sue you unless you give us this money. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Should Walmart be able to do what they're doing? I mean, if you catch people who are shoplifting, Shouldn't you have to turn them over to the cops and let then law enforcement get involved? Or is this kind of self-help thing okay? From my perspective, I have all sorts of issues with what Walmart is is doing. Let's discuss. Now, Walmart might say, hey, we're doing you a favor. We're doing you a favor, Gru. We could have called the cops. Then you would have gotten arrested. Then you would have had this on your record. We're doing you a favor. You should be glad to give us this $100. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, here's what happens. A uh, 23-year-old guy and his fiance they go into Walmart. They use the, the self-service checkout thing. As they're leaving, Walmart security stops them and says, hey, we think you're stealing stuff. We've got you on sur- surveillance video. You didn't ring up everything. Couple says, this, this is a mistake. You know, um, anyways, Walmart, the security people pull them into the back. They say, here's what we're going to do. We could call the cops. We're not going to call the cops. We'll let you go. You pay for what you, 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 you didn't ring up. They say, well, that, that's board fair. They pay for it. A couple days later, they get a letter from a Walmart attorney saying, we are now, we demand that you pay us $100 or else we're going to sue you for your shoplifting. And now they've gone public with this. 414-799-1620. Does it sound like Walmart is shaking people down or are, are they giving people a break? I mean, Walmart says, hey, we could have called the cops. And, you know, then you would have had to deal with the police here. You know, you're, you're just paying us a hundred dollars. Does it sound like Walmart's doing the right thing? 414-799-1620 to me is shakedown one word or two words. I think it's one word. I, this sounds like a legalized shakedown to me. Let's start with Mike and Racine. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. I, I agree. This, this is like a shakedown. <laughs> this, is, this is infinitely a shakedown. I mean, the PR alone in Bentonville, Arkansas, must be, they're going to rescind this next week. It's just going to be one of those things that's going to go away, because I can't believe that intelligent people make these decisions. I just don't. Well, well right. See, and I guess, I see, I'm offended from both perspectives. If you've got yeah. people that are stealing, I want the cops involved. I mean, because chances are they're going to go to another store and steal as well. So sure. as a retailer, you have every right 
to, to go after and aggressively, you know, enforce the rules against shoplifting. But this isn't that. This is, hey, we have some people and we're going to intimidate them into trying to give us an extra $100. If this was egregious, it would be different. But I've been to uh, shopping centers where I'm, you know, in one side of the basket. My wife is on the other in the automated section. We, we've forgotten. I've forgotten to hand her something in the small part of the basket. We walk out and then realize we've made the mistake and walk right. back. But if I were to get a letter from an attorney, that's just, that's not right. I, I just think that that's really far-fetched. It's going to hurt Walmart in the end. Well, I, and thanks for calling me. I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think they're doing any people any favors. Now, again, I I don't know. Um, you know, was the couple trying to steal stuff? You know, who knows? I, I, I don't know. Maybe they were. Maybe they weren't. But I don't care. I guess my philosophy is if you've got people that are thieves that are trying to rip off someone, well, I mean, I think an employer has, a, a, a merchant has every right to detain them, call the cops, have the cops come, and then prosecute them. That's what the police do. But this kind of private self-help that here, you know, we're going to get the people to pay, and then we're going to use threat of lawsuits to try to collect extra money on top. See, I don't buy that at all. Joe in Appleton. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. What do you think? I completely agree. You know, this is straight-up shakedown. Um, I would have preferred them to call the police right at the very beginning because that's what should be happening. They are not a law enforcement agency. They're a retail store. Act like it. Right, exactly. Don't And don't try to make money off of this type of stuff. If If these people are really criminals... Get them prosecuted, get a record on them, get them off the streets, do whatever. But this idea that, see, I mean, I just think this is a way of catching up a lot of people who probably really aren't the thieves. They're the folks who, you know, don't ring up the one thing or whatever and then freak out when they're told, you know, hey, you know, give us this money or else we're going to, you know, sue you for shoplifting. And people freak out because they they don't, they can't afford to get lawyers. They don't want to see their name in the paper or whatever. They just want to make it go away. So they'll give Walmart $100 to do that. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. It's, it's, it's mob mentality. Yeah. Now, thanks for the call. Let's talk to Mark in Wauwatosa. Hi, Mark. You're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. It's really funny. I I was just leaving a, a, a supermarket as a, to listen to your show, and I try to, I too try to avoid the self, uh, self service thing. But I went to it today and I had about 10, 10, 12 items. Four times a lady had to come over and re ring it or say it wasn't in the bag, it wasn't in the bag. One was the wrong price. I mean, it's a pain in that. Yeah. But as far as the Walmart thing goes, it's a kind of double jeopardy. I mean, they're, they let them go, and now they're coming back, and, you know, they already said, hey, you're okay, and now, now it's coming back. Isn't that double jeopardy? Well, I mean, and thanks for coming. I mean, double jeopardy is a legal concept which says that you can't be criminally prosecuted for the same thing twice. I mean, this is civil, so no. But but see, I, I'm with you in the big picture. I mean, I, I again, I don't know if these people were trying to steal or not, but I can easily see, you know, you're, I can easily see how something doesn't ring up or, or whatever. Um, if they were trying to steal... Well, then, all right, this is a law enforcement thing. but And that's what law enforcement is there for. These laws against shoplifting are not, at least in my opinion, there for sort of private nonprofits, for, for a private company like Walmart or any store. They're not there for them to be able to use them to try to make extra money. Again, I... I, and I mean, I, I'm putting myself in the perspective of the person that gets caught up in this. And I've got, if people are stealing again, I've got no sympathy for you. But I can imagine somebody caught up in this type of thing. Gee, I didn't realize it didn't ring up, or I, 
I tried to ring up two or three things and then what the heck or whatever. Okay, I can get somebody caught up, see somebody caught up with that. And I imagine a lot of people are going to just turn around and, and write that check because they want this whole thing to go away. They can't afford to fight this. They don't want to see their name in the paper being accused of shoplifting at a Walmart. Um, let's see. Uh, some of our texts. Walmart has a bullying reputation for a reason. I'm not surprised by this. The couple should let Walmart sue, especially if the theft was, in fact, you know, an accident. Uh, here's another note. Jim and Keel says, I do not use self-checkout. This just provides another reason not to. Um, all right, here's another note. They won't let their employees chase after shoplifters, but they will attempt to record to uh, record extra, get extra by doing this. Hmm. Again, that's the... <laughs> See, that's the thing. And again, I, I, I appreciate that this is the wave of the future. It really was funny. The story came up because I was in a, a big grocery store the other day. And thankfully, my wife does most of the shopping. And, and there was a line. And there was a guy. Guy said, here, come over. We can handle it the self-checkout. And I said, no, I, I'll stay here. And he did. He gave me a really nasty look. It, it wasn't like an, you're an idiot look. It was just kind of this nasty look that why won't you do that? And I'm sorry. Well, I, I just, I kind of just like to stay where I am. All right. It is 253. I'm sorry. Lots of people want to weigh in on this, but again, maybe, maybe the object lesson is if you are using those self-service things, make sure you ring up everything because you don't know what bad stuff might have. At least if you go through the checkout aisle and you put everything through the cashiers, they're probably not going to be able to say that you inadvertently shoplifted. Um, eh, this might be another thing with those automatic things. So be careful if you're using the automatic stuff, particularly in a Walmart. It's 254. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.